Lindsay. And I'm Sarah. And together we're the co-founders of Whale Tales, a living library of cetacean stories. Today we're being joined by an extra special guest. It's Ashley. She's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so sit back and enjoy as we dive right in. <laughs> month because first of all she's one of our very original storytellers she actually beta tested our website when we first launched almost six years ago thanks ashley and sent us some amazing stories then as well as every year since um and she's back out on the water this summer um after everything and so we really wanted to talk to her not just about what she's seen and the news of the summer with in the sailor sea cetaceans that's hard to say um <laughs> also how her life has changed given the new guidelines and safety protocols and stuff like that. Take it away, Ashley. <laughs> How's life? Oh, wow. Well, thank you guys first off for having me. This is uh this is fun being on this side of it. Yeah, it's been crazy. This season has been just bizarre on so many fronts. I mean, we honestly didn't even we weren't even sure we were going to have a season uh, at the beginning. You know, normally we start in April and uh, we were put on ice until July 1st. <laughs> uh, and landlocked is not how most of us function really well, um, at least not me. Uh, I'm definitely meant to be out on the water and, and with the whales. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely a tough beginning definitely interesting when we did finally get to start up you know we don't have any tourists really I mean we've got a few but not not really from where we would expect them on a normal year um you know with the border closed that's a pretty big deal um but uh you know we're we're limited in our capacity these days you know every every company has uh kind of dropped how many people that they are taking on uh, on their boats uh, just to kind of increase space and everybody has to wear masks these days and um, like that's mandatory on all of our boats um, and it's it's such a weird thing um, that people can't tell if you're smiling at them <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've, I've taken to basically telling people, <laughs> be like, if you can't tell by the tone of my voice that I've got a big smile on under here, I'm letting you know now, oh this God. is amazing. It's so good. <laughs> You're in that person who's like, trust me, I'm really smiling. Yeah. I'm yeah. smiling, guys. Well, and you know, like, cause in a normal year without the mask, like I, I, it's the only time that I'm not really smiling on the boat is when I'm searching for the whales. And that's just cause I'm so concentrated on looking for them. So, and it's not that I'm not uh, happy or excited uh, during those times. It's just, uh, it's, it's full concentration face and, and uh, that doesn't always have a smile on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's just a it's it's such a, a weird season. Um, you know, we're not as busy as we would normally be, which I mean is completely to be expected. But you know, in in July, you know, I think a lot of people didn't even know that whale watching was back up and running. So, you know, there were many days where we didn't have enough people to go out on a tour, and that's heartbreaking for people like me. Um, you know, who, who thrive on being out on the water and, and sharing the beauty of our coast. Like our coast is just so amazing that it's, um, it actually hurts to not be out there, (laughs) but, um, yeah, it's a wacky, wacky world out there. It's so strange. It's just so strange. I have to admit, like even being in the world that we're all in where we we obviously all love whales and feel pretty connected like I was even surprised when I was like oh wait those people are out on the water like it's it it did feel like it just kind of it's scary to be the first ones to try it right totally (laughs) totally well and what's even crazier is that the states um kind of the the companies out of Anacortes and San Juan they were actually the first ones um to go out because we were we were landlocked until July 1st um and some some, not all of them obviously some of the bigger boats in the states weren't able to go out but um but the smaller 12 passenger vessels were able to go out before that and it's it's just uh I think that was uh a strange thing for us here too knowing that our cases were you know fewer but 
you know, we wanted to be out there as much as they were, but our government had kind of put um, maybe slightly harsher restrictions on us um, from the get-go. Like, um, you know, our, our government made a, made a rule at the outset that, that uh, commercial vessels couldn't go out until July 1st, and then it would be reassessed closer to that time, whereas the states didn't make, I don't think, that, that wholesale date determination. So there was a little bit more leeway for them, but uh, um, it's definitely nice to be back out on the water, but it is unnerving. I, I, I'm not going to lie. You know, you don't know who is coming out with you. You don't, um, you don't know where they've been, who they've been with, you know, so like the, this is outside of your COVID bubble, COVID bubble, excuse me. Um, so there is, you know, a little bit of an unnerving factor, but you know, that's one of the reasons too, why everybody has to to wear the masks on the boat and in the office and, you know, taking every precaution and sanitizing, um, everything, um, including the bathroom between uses, which is a, normally that's not the naturalist job, but it is now. (laughs) (laughs) That used to be an end of day captain's duty. And now it's, uh, now it's, uh, everybody's job, but I mean, better to be safe than, then sorry. So I don't mind. So are you guys only out on your open boats right now? Um, yeah, we kind of decided early on that, uh, our covered boat, uh, wouldn't go out. Um, but it's tough because the families that live here with young kids, that's the only boat that we can take them out on, you know? So, um, I think we've taken out the covered boat twice, um, and just kind of tried to see how it would work. Um, and like having all the windows open, which makes it less covered, (laughs) a lot more breezy. Um, so that one, I think only, um, has only been out two, two trips, maybe three. Uh, but I think only two, uh, and we, yeah, it's definitely not the boat that we're keen to send out. Um, it's definitely our open boat and our Zodiacs that, uh, and I live, I, I would, I would live on those Zodiacs if I could. <laughs> and in general, have you found that people have been pretty like accommodating, grateful and, you know, hopefully good? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've heard some, some stories from other, other companies, but for the most part for us, we've definitely had um, a lot of great uh, customers understanding mostly when we've had to cancel if we didn't have enough passengers or if uh, um, if the weather was too too rough to go out, which is always one of those hit or miss. People don't understand that sunny weather is is not necessarily good good weather to be going out on the water. What um, you can still have wind when the yeah. sun is shining. <laughs> So yeah, um, that's always an interesting conversation to have with people. But um, yeah, I think people have been a bit more understanding in terms of cancellation due to not having enough passengers because of the COVID situation and knowing that we have decreased our our passenger load as well. Um, so it's been pretty good. And we've been a lot more accommodating too when people cancel last minute because they aren't feeling well. We're like, yep, no problem. You stay home. (laughs) I have no charge. You're free. Go, go stay home. Yeah. Um, and thank, like, thank goodness people are willing to, to tell us that they're not feeling well. And, um, you know, that's, that's super important too, because we all live in the same place and, and, uh, you know, we need to be taking care of each other too. So that's actually really nice to hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's always surprising, you know, when you, um, when you don't hear the horror stories of the, <laughs> the tourism side, but you know, we've been really lucky. Um, I've definitely heard a few horror stories from some other companies, but, uh, um, yeah, so far, knock on wood, um, we've, uh, we've been lucky. There are lots of good people, and they're finding yeah. Ashley, also a good person. Hooray! <laughs> so, how are the whales? We don't, not specific stories, we'll get to that later, but yeah, yeah. what's going on out there this summer? At the, the risk of knocking on wood and disturbing the recording again, uh, <laughs> uh, we are currently um, at 100% success rate oh. this season. 
um, which is fantastic. And I will attribute that uh, almost solely, almost solely, it's not solely, but it's almost solely to our humpback whales. Mm. Yeah, this season has been, um, in our area at least, uh, humpback heaven. Um, we've had uh, moms and calves. We've had um, some females and some animals, of course, that we don't know the gender of, <laughs> but assume are boys. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, we've had a lot of humpback sightings, which has been amazing. Um, and like in previous years, like last year, I think was the first year that we had humpbacks every day in August. Um, and then the year before we only had like, a, we had a week where we had humpbacks every day. And before that, I don't remember having humpbacks in August at all. And I mean, I'm probably wrong, but like, I don't recall like a consistent humpback presence. Um, whereas like, you know, we're, we're really starting to see kind of a, a, a trend in the humpback population around this area. You know, maybe they're not all going, you know, further north like they used to. Um, we've definitely had orca as well. So don't, <laughs> don't fret orca fans. <laughs> um, there's definitely still orca around and, um, uh, and it's been a little bit weird too, because, the border is closed. So we, I mean, last year we tried to avoid going down south regardless just to um, minimize the number of boats around whales and all that kind of stuff and find our own whales. But, um, you know, it's interesting to, to have the border officially closed to, to us. So we're not going to, to whales that are reported down there and they're not coming to whales reported up here. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a change in that, uh, regard as well, but it's, it's, um, it's worked out so far and hopefully, hopefully that'll continue with that hundred percent success hopefully. rate. And I think for our <laughs> listeners who aren't from BC and who, or maybe even are from BC and just aren't as familiar with the geography around Vancouver and Sailor Sea, like I was always surprised on, on my trips out with the number of people who just like had you had no idea how close the states was especially in the waterways because if you are in downtown vancouver like you know that it's an hour hour and a half drive with traffic to get down to bellingham to get across the border but if you're on the water it's not that long <laughs> yeah no not at all it's like mm, leaving from granville island it's a 40 45 minute boat ride yeah <laughs> in terms of uh the mask situation too um I uh I've been really lucky I've got this amazing friend who has made um made me some masks um and uh she's yeah she made me a bunch that were whale themed and um, I now have 10 masks and I feel like a, a mask hoarder, <laughs> <laughs> but I love each and every one of them. <laughs> and I'm so thankful for crafty friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're out on the boat all day and you know, you want to like take a break and have a bite to eat, you probably then might want to put a fresh yeah. mask on. Cause especially on a hot day. <laughs> well, or- I also, um, I, so she, uh, two of the masks that she made me, one is like some larger baleen whale, um, uh, mask uh, theme and there's another orca mask theme so sometimes you know we'll be heading out and I'll just wear the the whale mask and if we find orca I might switch quickly to the orca mask oh my god I love that. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I forget but I do mean to do that <laughs> do you also now have like a two-faced tan I I don't luckily uh for the most part I think there might be like a slight slight change uh in color but not not much because I do you know when when we're at the back of the boat um chatting with the captains you know we we do we're allowed to take the masks off when we're um away from the passengers so you know at the back of the zodiacs you know we're at the back of the boat so you know nothing that we're breathing is going forward to the passengers and um communication uh can be a bit difficult um Mm, you mm -hmm. don't say (laughs) For the captains with the radio, so they they can't wear masks and talk on the radios very well. Um, And so, yeah, at the back of the boat, we tend to kind of take it off and communicate. But, uh, yeah, anytime I go forward to where the 
the passengers are, that mask is full in place. So um, definitely uh, I feel like by the end of this season, there's likely going to be some two-tone <laughs> tan. <laughs> It's just going to be like your forehead and the sides of your uh, sunglass bands. Like, ears. Oh yeah. Yep. yeah, ears, forehead. Nice. <laughs> Super glorious. It's going to be the new look. <laughs> so has there been any um, weird situations? I know that there was common dolphins again down in Puget, but if you guys aren't crossing the border, then you're not seeing those. No. Anything, anything making it up back here yet? Like maybe in the fall when more stuff comes up. Yeah, we'll see. Nothing so far. Nothing crazy. It's not whale related, and I don't know how appropriate this is to mention, but there we've I've never encountered floating uh, deceased wildlife on the water before. Um, and I have a couple of seals and a deer in House Sound. Seal, se- seals were in the Strait of Georgia and the deer was in Hell Sound. But um, yeah, that so that's interesting because I've never come across that. I've been out there for nine years and this is the first year I've had like some serious floating dead wildlife. That is weird. Yeah. So not cetacean related, but uh, well, there was there were uh, some uh, orca uh, around when I saw the the um, the deer, but uh, they did not they did not. They didn't go after it. They, you know, <laughs> our boat was pretty close to the deer. And I was like, oh, maybe. No. <laughs> I was going to say, there's no fat on deer. <laughs> well, I, I, they they also, you know, prefer something that's like not. Half dead and trying yeah. to get away. <laughs> not, yeah, not they dead want and to floating. punch it out of the yeah. water. <laughs> <laughs> this took a turn, hey? <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else from this odd but still happening season that you wanted to share with our listeners Ash? I think just that you know it's it's kind of a miracle that we are at 100% success in our sightings because there are fewer boats on the water for all companies there's fewer people searching um we're not searching as much of the water as we would have previously because we don't have as many boats out there um so it's a really um really interesting that we've we've been so successful Uh, it's great and you know we still get reports from you know people that are um other places whether on other boats or um on shore that kind of thing, but it, it's quite remarkable. I think most of our sightings this year have been just uh, us going out and looking with other companies and and finding the whales, which is you know how it should be. <laughs> but but mm-hmm. it's um, it's definitely interesting because our our searching range has definitely shrunk because we you know we all want to be within range of anybody finding anything. So. Um, it's it's a new world and definitely um, different, and we're all hoping next year will be a um, bit back, bit more back to back to normal for sure. But um, it's still great. Uh, you know, the whales are still out there; they're still amazing as ever, and you never know what they're gonna do, and they still always surprise us. Are you guys going out until October-ish? When do you, when do you go usually end? Well, normally we end in October, but uh, this year it's um, really hard to say um, because it's pretty much, well, mostly Canadians that are coming out on the tours. So if, you know, if kids do go back to school, if parents do go back to work, if everybody else who isn't a parent goes back to work, (laughs) um, you know, then, you know, we run the the chance that, you know, weekends may be the only time that we're able to go because other people can't go during the week. Um, I mean, it's hard to say. We're currently planning to to go to the end of September um, and then kind of play it by ear for, for what October might bring, see what September brings and go from there. But um, yeah, so it's been a kind of shortened season, which is always um, sad, but, uh, you know, we got to protect ourselves and each other and hopefully, hopefully we'll find a normal, normal world on the other side of this. So for the locals who don't necessarily work during 
the week and mm-hmm. what can you see in October just to get your business thriving? Mm. Um, humpbacks and orca. Um, oh, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Very good. And I know it's not cetacean related, but, uh, well, it is sort of because, you know, pigs do like to eat them. Um, (laughs) uh, Sea lions come back in September and October, and they are my second favorite animal after all cetaceans. (laughs) (laughs) So first favorite. All cetaceans. All cetaceans. Every single one of them. Then. Then. Okay. Wait, wait, let me, let me, let me clarify my second favorite because it's not just sea lions. It's stellar sea lions. There yeah, we go. Yeah. There I, I we mean, ca- ca- Californias are nice. <laughs> but Are they your third, would you I, say? So my third is everything else. <laughs> <laughs> and I will I will acknowledge that I do say that on my trips. <laughs> yeah. I give my whole list of three. <laughs> That's fantastic. I like I like the sandwich that you've got going on there. With like really big broad very specific but there's just there's something about those stellars that is just too too good not to just like pinpoint yeah they're pretty great oh yeah Yeah. stellars are awesome i mean before yeah go ahead (laughs) no go ahead (laughs) i was just gonna say like i just you know i i I do genuinely love all animals it's just (laughs) you know Whales and stellar sea lions are my favorite. <laughs> I know we've been talking a lot about how the industry and how your your job of sharing these stories and helping to spark the passion in people to, to care about them has changed a lot, obviously, due to COVID. But there was another thing that happened this summer to do with whale watching and specifically with orca. Um, if you want to talk about it, how has, cause I feel like that might have also gone under the radar with, you know, all of the other things going on in the world, but there are the new interim measures to protect mm. the endangered Southern residents mm-hmm. and how is that going and how has your company and, and others out there adapted to that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, a lot of the rules I think this is one of the things that, you know, the general public and especially those people who live close to shore and and look out on the water um, and sometimes see whale watching boats don't understand is that a lot of those rules for viewing uh, orca and viewing whales in general came from the whale watching industry itself. The government took our our own guidelines for ourselves and made those laws for everybody. So sometimes, you know, they think that, you know, we're doing things that aren't appropriate, but in fact, you know, we, we give more distance than, than most voters out there. I think the, the biggest, most important uh, rule in my, in my opinion, I mean, the distance rules are definitely important too, but um, I think the, the rule that came about that the government, um, took on and made law as well um, is the the speed rules around the whales. Um, I I love the speed rules. They're so basically anytime you are in the vicinity of known whales, um, when you are within a kilometer of these animals, you have to slow your boat down to no more than seven knots. So for people who don't know knots, every knot is 1.2 miles per hour or 1.8 kilometers per hour. Um, And uh, so it's still, you know, some whales go faster than that, but you just have to kind of go out and around to to catch up in a a way that doesn't disturb them. Um, And what I love is that, you know, all the whale watching boats obviously um, adhere to the these rules and um, it keeps the waters around the whales you know quieter um, it decreases the chance of anybody running over the whales you know so like in terms of like not professional whale watchers obviously we're usually very aware of where the whales are and yes whales can be unpredictable <laughs> but you know um, in terms of the general public if they're adhering to to those to that particular rule um you know there's no risk of them injuring um 
injuring whales accidentally or in fact themselves accidentally by potentially um, hitting a whale, which is a scary thing to think about because it's not just the whale that might get injured, it's the people too. Um, so in terms of distance, um, the distance rules have changed um, for the general public. Um, so everybody has to give orca a 400 meter distance, regardless of what type they are watching, um, unless they have um, specific um, exemptions from the government. So you have to apply for those exemptions and um, those are generally for professional whale watching companies that have shown um, good, decent behavior around the whales. And uh, um, so all those boats have um, a flag flying on their vessel that says AV. So it's an authorized vessel um, that allows them to get within, uh, sorry, not within, <laughs> to allows them to not uh, use the 400 meter distance uh, around Bigs Orca, but a 200 meter distance that we have to give the Bigs Orca. Um, but it also means that we've agreed not to um, actively watch the Southern resident uh, population, um, which, you know, in, in these times, you know, critically endangered population uh, we're allowed to basically stop and ID the whales, and then if they are southern residents, then we log that they are, let other um, research organizations know in case they want to come out and um, kind of monitor the population, but otherwise we just kind of ID them, uh, document where they are, let, um, let each other know so that we kind of avoid those areas, and um, then we have to go find some other whales. Um, and, and we're okay with that. You know, the Southern residents deserve to kind of just find food and, and not be, <laughs> you know, harassed by a, a lot of boats. And we're hoping that, you know, by us not being around them, that um, that means the general population might not uh, realize that they're there too. So they get a bit more, um, I mean, people tend to behave better around the whales when the whale watching boats are there because we give them uh, a marker to kind of where to mm -hmm. be. Um, and that is an important function, but if, you know, um, if we can all avoid the Southern residents and hopefully see their population increase, that would be ideal. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Ash. Um, mm. Just the other big guideline is duration, correct? Is it an hour? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, I don't know if I can't recall if that's a government guideline. It might be. And I just, I, I just pay attention to the, to the, the guidelines that we go by regardless. And, and we've always um, done uh, an hour maximum around the whales. Um, but one of the other rules that um, whale watching vessels have put in place or the Pacific Whale Watch Association, I should say, has put in place is that if there are more than 10 vessels around the whales, then we cut that time in half. So it means that there are fewer boats around them for, for those, you know, for those all day. <laughs> And we can't control, you know, how many private boaters are around them, but we can control um, what we what we do. So and I think that's really, I hope, valuable for, for some of our listeners to hear, too, because I think um, one of the things that we talk about a lot on the podcast and in life, I feel, is that there's so many shades of gray. Not the book. We don't like the book. We don't talk about the book. <laughs> but there that with pretty much every issue that we that we try to discuss on the podcast and especially when it comes to conservation issues that there is not really a black and a white or a right and a yeah. wrong side of anything yeah. that we have to be comfortable with the shades of gray in the middle and with asking tough questions totally. and reassessing things all the time and I think one of the things you know that I certainly saw a lot when I worked in the industry is that the industry is a really easy finger to point at um, and that I'm not going to say that that's not always deserved yep. just because there are bad apples out there in everything. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially a long time ago. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, so I think it's really, thank you for sharing that, especially from someone who's in the industry and has been in the industry for so long and is so dedicated and devoted to conservation as well as education for sharing that. I think it's really important to see, you know, the government is doing a lot yeah. now to protect these animals, but if, if the government isn't the reason yeah. that the Pacific Whale Watch Association made those changes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that that's, um, you know, one of the things that, that really does sadden me out there is, 
the perception that um, island residents in particular seem to have over the whale watching companies. You know, you're right. In the past, you know, our behavior was vastly different. Um, but it's also because we nobody knew better mm-hmm. at that time. And, we, you know, there's been research done and, and um, effort made to find better ways to do this. And, and a lot of that has come from the whale watching industry itself. You know, it's funny to have government take our rules and put them into place and, and make them law, but then also still kind of act like we we are the cause of the demise of the Southern residents, which is a tough pill to swallow because that's not true. <laughs> you know, um, food. Food is the, the big culprit for them. And, um, you know, the the bigs are case in point. You know, they, they travel through the exact same waters. They um, are, you know, the same species, though different ecotypes. And the bigs have a plentiful cornucopia of food. <laughs> and um, and the southern residents don't. And uh, if we can't protect their food sources, you know, like, it scares all of us in the whale watching industry, Um the the thought that um that the different groups around that are calling for the pinniped call we're we're petrified that that's that some government organization will be like yep that sounds like a good idea because if you take away that food for this healthy thriving population that clearly is doing well because there is so much food um then we're going to lose both and that's a scary, scary thought to, to all of us. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's hard for us to, to hear from some of the island um, res- And it's not just the island residents, and they're not all this way. Some do, you know, it, it's great to see some of the ones that do say, hey, no, you know, it's, it, it's a different perspective from, from land uh, than on the water. And it's hard to tell your dis- that boat's distance from the whales because it honestly is. Um, and you know, we're, our, our, our aim is to protect these animals, not to destroy this population. So, um, it kind of is, it's saddening to us and, and frustrating when we're seen sometimes as the bad guys, cause that's, that's not what we are. That's not what we want. And, and our ultimate goal is, um, the, the health and well-being of, of these animals. I think again, I feel like this has been our moral <laughs> first for quite some time now. It's like, let's just ask yep. questions and be kind. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. yeah. Assume people are coming from a from a place of good, ask the questions to to ascertain that and to get the information you need to make decision and just, you know, kindness kindness is important. Plus exactly. I think people are a lot better at measuring things now. Because we all know what two meters <laughs> is now. <laughs> Yeah, somehow two two meters and two hundred meters doesn't seem to translate very it's well. Like pictured hundred people all socially distanced. And like, is that whale far away enough? <laughs> dying, dying. <sighs> I mean, I can honestly say that you know, even when you spend time on the water. Um, oh, totally. I, I mean, really I, I have. It's so hard. I mean, I have passengers all the time being like, why is that boat closer to the whales? And I'm like, it's not. Yeah. I can tell you 100% that is not, that boat is not closer to the whales than we are. Um, and they don't, they, they have a hard time wrapping their head around that. And it's just, you know, perspective, especially on water, um, is, is an illusion. <laughs> yeah. Plus, you know, muggings and whatever, you never know where the whales are going to go. So yeah, yeah, it's some true. of those but, sightings might have been just um, bad timing of totally. whales doing whatever they want. Totally. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting because I've, um, over the last year, maybe two, um, I've seen uh, the captains use the radar um, a lot more in terms of just finding the distance of so the radar doesn't go into the water right it's not sonar um so it's like a it's you know tracking clouds and boats and all sorts of things so 
Um, sometimes, especially with the, the big adult male orca in particular, those dorsal fins show up very well on radar. <laughs> <laughs> and so they can accurately measure distance with the radar to tell how far away they are. That's handy. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I've only seen that, or at least uh, I've maybe only noticed, maybe they were using that before, but I've only noticed it in the last year or so. Yeah. And a oh, fun fact. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think means that we should... <laughs> Stegway. <laughs> fun flipper fact, yeah, it's fun flipper fact, yeah, it's fun flipper fact with Ashley. <laughs> That's today's song. Ashley... Can you share with us and our listeners your favorite go-to fun flipper fact yeah. that you love to surprise people with on the Yeah, uh, my favorite surprising fact for passengers um, is the gestation for different whales. And usually I'm only talking about orca and humpbacks, um, but uh, for, for this fun flipper fact, I definitely went... Uh, googling to see <laughs> what other whales and dolphins and porpoises um were like as well so um with uh, when i'm on the boat uh, and i'm talking about uh, humpbacks and, and orca um it's i'm always like okay guys so usually i i say the gestation of whatever whale we're hanging out with at the time and then let them know about the other so humpback gestation is 11 months, which is, you know, decently long, um, but uh, it's not crazy. <laughs> and then uh, when you take into orca, take, or when you look at orca, orca gestation is 16 to 18 months. And uh... I know, I can't, I can't, I can't even imagine. Um, and that is usually the reaction that I get from the ladies on the boat. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> it also makes zero sense when you think about the size difference between those yeah, two. Yeah, and you know, it's it's funny cuz you know, I thought okay, well maybe it has something to do with um their brain size. You know, like you know, they are really really smart animals and you know, does it just take a little bit longer to to cook that brain? I don't know. Um but then I started looking up um the gestation for other cetaceans and it's kind of all over the place and orca and sperm whales are are the craziest they've got the longest gestation so um i don't know what the average sperm whale gestation is but um i've read that sperm whales can have a gestation that can last up to eight up uh, excuse me 19 months Nineteen months, oh like I can't even handle that. <laughs> um, compared to a blue whale, a blue whale is ten to twelve months. It's so weird. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, so yeah, like the biggest animal to ever live on the planet has a shorter gestation than um, than some animals that are much smaller, uh, including the harbor porpoise, which is eleven months. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my god that's so um yeah so uh the other law uh to to uh, wait i i did I, I remember hearing you guys talk about your your favorite cetacean uh pacific white sides yes yeah. <laughs> uh, they too they too have a 10 month gestation Sweet. They win in that yeah. category too. Excellent. <laughs> I'm just going to say, I think that was our favorite. Okay. Okay. Maybe I was listening to the dolphin one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the dolphin Olympics. I am pretty sure they're my favorite situation. Yeah, I think, I think Lindsay and Sarah may have different opinions. <laughs> hey, everybody has to have their own favorite, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So... I mean, there's definitely uh, a lot of other whales to go through, but those were some uh, some pretty interesting gestations. That's awesome. Thank you, Ashley. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, oh, that was so good. So if you want to help 
pick our next fun pooper fact, we are doing a poll for September, um, but you have to be a patron to subscribe. We'll talk a little bit more about patrons near the end, but if you're interested, you should head on over to our Patreon at patreon, patreon.com slash whaletales and join us up for a dollar a month. You can help vote for next month's fun flipper fact. Thank you, patrons. So um, early in the spring, at what would have been the beginning of the whale watch season, uh, or maybe not quite the beginning, but you know, when everybody was feeling quite um, concerned that we weren't going to be able to get out on the water at all this year, Ashley wrote up a spectacular whale tale, and it might be my favorite whale tale of 2020. Um, I think it might be my favorite whale tale of all time. <laughs> I love it so much. I've watched it way more times than I care to admit to you, Ash. Ashley did an incredible interpretive educational presentation um, in a kiddie pool in her backyard. <laughs> it was hilarious and delightful and entertaining and educational and just great. <laughs> But I exactly feel like what that's... we needed in the dark. Yes, time. yes, it was it was much needed. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes, uh, hopefully, um, to you can check that out. Um, but I feel like <laughs> Ashley, in her you know more than nine years out on the water, probably has some pretty good whale tales. So we asked her to bring one of her favorites uh, to share with you all today. Well, there's a lot of favorites to choose from. And by the way, Sarah, I'm not sure how educational that... Uh... <laughs> it was like, that inspired me to be educational. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. I, I will allow that. <laughs> it was highly ridiculous. and uh, um, But, you know, it was fun. And uh, I'm pretty sure there were some... Uh, new species to, to society. <laughs> um, in terms of stories, there's just, there's so many stories to choose from. And um, so I thought I would go with the first sighting of the season, but um, I did also just want to say that, you know, every, every trip I take out on the water, um, getting to take people from, usually all over the world, uh, currently mostly from all over Canada. <laughs> um, it's uh, one of the things that I really take to heart is that so many people coming out on our tours are coming out for the first time and have never seen whales in the wild. And so I treat every tour that I take, every trip out on the water that I take, even when I don't have passengers on board, I'm just uh, out on a tour of my, of my own uh, in the winter time. Um, I always treat the like the trip as if I've never been out seeing whales too, and I get as excited to see whales today as I ever did um, on my first trips out. Um, and the, the excitement is, you know, genuine and real, and um, I can't even imagine not getting to see these these animals and. Um, so this season, the first trip out, we got to go out on July 1st, um, which was very exciting. And um, in the Strait of Georgia, we found the T-46s. And the T-46s are kind of a special family for many different reasons. Um, but the reason that uh, it made it extra exciting for me uh, this year was because the, the 46s, T-46 herself, which is the matriarch of, um, of this, this pod of orca, was the very first whale, excuse me, very first Biggs orca that we nicknamed in this area. Uh, so we started that project of, of nicknaming um, all the Biggs that don't have nicknames so that they connected to people or people connected to them, I should say. Um, the way that people connect to Southern residents, because they all have nicknames. And, you know, a nickname definitely holds a little bit more importance and weight in, in people than T-46. Um, so <laughs> Especially when you start adding in yeah. T-46, 1, yeah. 7, 12. That's not a whale yet. <laughs> just to clarify. <laughs> um, 
Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, those names, you know, the scientific designations are getting a little crazy these days. And and nobody, nobody other than us whale nerds are going to remember <laughs> that that whale right over there is, you know, T one twenty four A two. She's the worst. <laughs> When I'm writing them out for the stories, I'm just like, come oh, on, no. guys, there has to be a better one. Yeah, so um, so it's nice to have, you know, and I've, I've been really bad lately. I, I've, uh, it was kind of hard to get into the naming when the season started, not necessarily because I didn't have the time, just because it was a weird season and it, it felt weird. And um, so it's sometimes, yeah, it gets hard to put put the effort into something, even though you love that thing. I don't know. Anyway, um, but it, it was really nice to see T-46 because she was the very, very first whale that we named down here. Um, and her nickname is Wake. And um, yeah, and she's a little bit of a, a, a excuse my language, a badass. <laughs> <laughs> she um, she was part of the, the last captures. She has had many children her children have had many children and of course she is gosh great grandma to Taluk. so yeah to our little uh famous gray whale uh wake is great grandma um so who is td46 traveling with right now uh just her kids uh not like obviously not t46 um b or b1 um, but B1 has, excuse me, <laughs> that's Tread. <laughs> Tread has broken off from mom, who is Raksha T46B. Um, uh, or at least they have kind of broken apart and then come back together. So even the, they are kind of a weird grouping at the moment. But, um, Wake has been traveling with her boys, uh, T46, um, was it D, E, and F? And T122. So uh, that's Senteki, uh, Strider, Thor, and Loki. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I was really excited when we, uh, I think we s- still have to name the last T46B, T46B6, but um, all the rest of them are all nicknamed now, which is kind of cool. It's kind of nice to have the whole family pretty much done and, done and ready to make people excited to see them <laughs> so yeah it wasn't like there wasn't any you know crazy behaviors or anything like that on that day but it was just special because we you know I got to share that we've been able to kind of create this the system of nicknaming them and and um how amazing this particular family is and um yeah it's just kind of a a special group to get to spend some time with you know Strider often blocks like kind of trails behind a little bit and pops up and and makes the boats nervous <laughs> which allows the um uh, the rest of the family to kind of push on a little bit uh further forward and then the boats have to try to keep up but of course strider's still there kind of popping up randomly and closer to the boat so the boats are like oh uh, <laughs> so that's that's sort of where he got his nickname from he, he kind of beats to his own drum he's very much like strider from uh Lord of the Rings. And yeah, and giving him a name makes it so much easier to tell those stories and yeah. have that connection. Yeah. So, good job. Name and Wales. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's a group effort for sure. Um, I just have the privilege of, of being the facilitator of it, but sometimes I definitely should facilitate more. <laughs> I went into the spreadsheet the other day and I was just like, oh God. Oh, yeah. Well, so, and there's, st- there's so many. There's a <laughs> there's a bunch that I haven't entered yet too so plus they I, just uh, keep procreating I know but that, and that's what we love about them <laughs> I mean this this population uh, I think last count uh, or last uh, report uh, we're increasing at a rate of four percent every year which is pretty yeah it's it's huge that's huge um you know so a nice nice healthy population compared to uh 
our poor southern res. I think something we talk about again pretty frequently in our podcast, Ashley, is the fact that, you know, obviously Lindsay and Sarah and I, we are we created and continue to run whale tales off the proverbial sides of our desks because this is a labor of love for us. And one of the things we really hope to inspire in our listeners is that if you love something and you're passionate about something, just do it. Like, it doesn't matter if you didn't study in school. It doesn't matter if you don't actually live on the coast. And I think the, uh, the Biggs naming group is such a perfect example of this. Like you are making a huge difference. All of you who are, who are like in that group, because I get to vote, but I don't do anything else. <laughs> you could um, suggest anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna suggest Star Wars names. That's fine. Not no, that's totally fine. Because whether, just, whether it's helpful or reason. not, yeah. I know, but then we get confused because there's Yoda. Anyway, it's okay. Fine. You can still um, suggest it. I was gonna, it. I'm gonna be all like, <laughs> I was gonna be all warm and okay, fuzzy. Continue, guys. continue with the warm fuzzies. I, I appreciate this. You're making a big difference in the lives of these animals and being able to connect more personally with them and care about them so that we don't end up with another critically endangered population of orca. And all of you are volunteers doing that in your spare time from likely your naturalist job, which I'm just going to come out and say because I don't work in the industry or you don't get paid enough to do. Um, and so I just think it's really... It's really wonderful what all of you are doing to help those orcas. Thank you. I mean, keep naming. <laughs> working on it. Um, you know, you, I mean, all the naturalists out here, you know, we're passionate about whales. And if we're not passionate, we don't stay in the industry for too long. So, you know, you're, you know, everybody plays a role and everybody is an important part of protecting these animals and, um, and we all do what we can. And you guys are also very helpful in that, um, that, that job, that, that theme as well, because without you guys sharing a lot of the stories, there's a lot of people that wouldn't know anything about these guys. So thank you guys too. Aww. Aww. Warm fuzzies all around. <laughs> Feelings. <laughs> After that great story from Ashley, you can read there over 30 more of them uh, on our site. She's got her own category. She's got a tale of saving whales and all sorts of things. Um, she's incredible encounters from the Salish Sea with humpbacks and southern residents and bigs, including, uh, I think, at least two of Tuluk. He, she was one of the first pe uh, people to see him when he was little. Um, and some also some international adventures like sperm whales and pilot whales in Norway. So we will link to Ash's category in our show notes, and you can read all of hers, plus all sorts of other stories uh, on our website. Before you go, Ashley, one of the things that we were talking about when the uh, world first exploded or, or the pandemic first hit was about how we were struggling to live our greenest life in post-COVID times. And some of the things, at least in my case, uh, and I know we all kind of expressed different challenges uh, that I had come to kind of count on to help with my environmental footprint, I wasn't able to do anymore. And now I'm able to do some of them, but I also know that there's the potential that I, that some of those things might become challenging again. So I was just wondering if you had any similar things that you've experienced in your post-COVID life or if you have any suggestions for our listeners about things that you're doing that you have found to kind of help lessen your environmental impacts. Yeah um so yeah I mean I think everybody experienced many challenges in being as environmentally friendly as, as we would all like to be. Um, grocery stores were definitely the the hardest to deal with, I think, you know, when you couldn't bring your own grocery bags, your reusable bags, um, that was, that was rough. I definitely had a hard time <laughs> accepting that I, I, you know, I think sometimes I would buy less just so that I could carry it out, but you know, you can't always do that. Um, and it, you know, it, <laughs> you're limited in your time being able to go to the grocery stores you know, at least at the beginning. Um, so you couldn't, you know, always get away with just grabbing a few things that you could carry out. Um, so that was rough. Um, I have heard 
Um, so I, somebody else uh, mentioned that um, one of the things that they started doing was taking the basket to the door, like the shopping basket that you get, you know, like you pick up when you go into the store, um, you know, asking permission to just take it outside so that you could then put your stuff in your reusable bag and then, you know, give the, give the basket back. Um, so that is a smart way. If, if we do go back into these, you know, crazy restrictions and if they want everybody to not have their reusable bags again, you know, that's, that's something that, that would make, make us use, you know, less plastic again. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, uh, felt the pinch. I, I'm not going to lie. I definitely got takeout more times than I probably should have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think that if we go back into, um, restrictions again, I think that'll be something that I'll definitely be trying to, to curb more because it just means more plastic and, one thing that I am grateful for um, in Vancouver is that, you know, takeout containers aren't styrofoam uh, anymore, which is, or at least most places, I think there might be a few um, in the greater Vancouver area that aren't, but like Metro Vancouver is, is pretty styrofoam free. Um, so that's, that's a, a, a bonus, but um, yeah, I mean, mostly I was, I did okay because I, you know, I don't have kids, so I didn't have to, you know, worry about getting snacks or feeding them or, you know, anything like that. Whatever you do with children, Nicole. (laughs) Feed. You feed them always. You must always have food in every pocket, in every orifice, always have food. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So like it was just me and, you know, I wasn't um, working because of, um, because the, well, one at the beginning of, of all the um, the shutdowns, we weren't started up yet. Um, so like I, I take public transit regardless. So, um, it was interesting not to be on public transit and just staying home. That was rough, but I wasn't, you know, creating any, uh, emissions there, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't have, I didn't, there wasn't a lot of change for me just other than the grocery store. I feel like, um, because it's, it's just me, which is, nice (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah I think the grocery store was just that was the hardest yeah and just like how bad grocery store bags are like you can't fit anything in them and then and they're so heavy and you can't put them over your shoulder like I think yeah using the plastic was really rough but also just that and you're just like this is dumb how am I carrying four bags and I usually have two yeah. It sort of becomes eye-opening to how inconvenient those plastic bags are regardless of, you know, how we used to use them. Like we used to just, you know, well, it's yeah, just grab another shopping bag, grab like oh, just double bag that, you know, like Yeah. So it yeah, it's definitely good to see that, you know, we all kind of experience the same thing and that it's not it, they're not good things even <laughs> they're just useless yeah because they they cut into your hands like i walk home from the store oh god yeah yeah. especially if you're carrying anything heavy in those yeah oh well i think it's been lovely chatting with you because also listeners we haven't talked to ashley since march i mean we've been texting and emailing but like it's really nice to hear your voice and we didn't get to do our whale whale and wine and cheese oh yeah i was just thinking about that this morning yeah just bringing your own wine and cheese and whales (laughs) Mm. oh i'll totally bring my own whales no worries no Um, that as much fun as this has been, uh, this is probably going to be a very long podcast. Thank you, listener, for making it this far. So we would love to... No, sorry, not sorry. (laughs) You're right. I could talk about whales forever. Uh, so we would love to hear your thoughts, listener, on this episode, of course, and any episodes. Please visit our website at whale-tales.org and find links to all of our various socials to drop us a line. You can also tweet at us directly. I am FHG07. Sarah is Sarah, no H, K given, and Nicole is Nick F can, C-A-N-N. 
Ashley is Vital Ocean, V-I-T-A-L Ocean, on Instagram, and she works with Wild Whales Men. You can also head to our website to subscribe to our podcast, check out our merchandise, and learn about supporting us and becoming a patron. Uh, while you're there, you can read over 850 whale, dolphin, and porpoise stories. And if you've seen a cetacean, we would love to add your story to our library. So click the share link on our site or contact us on social media at whaletales.org or email us a voice memo and you can tell us your story in your own words and with your own voice. Whale-tales.org. Tales like the stories, not tales like the animal. Thank you again for listening and for supporting us. We will be back on the last Wednesday of next month with more fun facts and whale trivia. Thanks so much, everybody. And thank you, of course, Ashley, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope you all have a whaley great day.